This is Flying with a Purpose, a podcast brought to you by Flight Review and Melbourne Flight Training. I'm David Allen, a student pilot currently pursuing my private pilot certificate. And I'm Derek Fallon, a certified flight instructor and the owner of Melbourne Flight Training. Got a question about flight training or aviation in general? We'd love to answer it. Details about how to send us your questions will be at the end of the show. Now, let's get to the good stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. Flight school stuff. Flight we should school. make a reality show. Flight school. We could do on that. Discovery Channel. We could put it out on, on History YouTube. Channel. That would be fun, actually. On what's the other, what's another really weird channel that has reality shows all day long? YouTube, TLC, or something TLC. like that. Yeah, TLC. Yeah, TLC. Flight does. school. The drama. Let like the it. drama unfold. I see drama outside right now. Operations on... managers talking to the instructor. Yep. Could be on Spike. Ooh, that'd be a good one. Yeah. All right, the drama stopped, oh, and bummer. we're back to flying. Oh, we're back to we're back to podcasting again. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the next episode of <laughs> Flying with a Purpose. Uh, They're not getting the clear picture here because we're looking outside, looking at these people talk to each other, and all these little things happening. And yeah, we're in the people tank, the conference room with windows. Yeah, and they can you can't s- hear they what's can going s- on, but yeah. there's stuff going on out there. We should we should do bad lip reading for them. Like whenever they're talking, we can just talk over and say what they're saying. It probably wouldn't. <laughs> be as good <laughs> um so <laughs> one of the things uh I, I put out a question on on facebook and i said you know you got a cfi's ear right now what would you wh- ask him anything right and one of the questions my friend nate dewer uh, he flies out of denver area uh said uh, i had some medical questions and so um i just kind of wanted to touch base and I, I you know i understand you're not an ame uh and so there are a lot of these deeper questions are going to go to I'm the, also a lawyer. That's right. Yep. And a paleontologist. Yeah, sure. Is that a thing? A paleontologist? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Actually we there's That's a guy a around word. here called the MDJD who's a medical doctor and a mm, and a lawyer, yeah. right? Yeah. Um so we'll we'll this will be a higher level conversation, but I think I think just having the conversation we can probably uh cover some of the the maybe some of the misinformation. Um, I think people have ideas about becoming a pilot and about what the medical requirements are. And because they think they have this medical issue or that, that they're not going to be able to fly. So um, let's make this really general because I'm not really a doctor. Right. And that's fine. <laughs> and so it'll be very general. But but we can also figure out where to get the where, to get the real answers. So what are the medical requirements to learn to fly? And. Um, what are the common problems in obtaining a medical certificate that surprise students? And, and I want to I want to come at that from the other direction as well. What are the things that surprise people that say, "Oh no, no, that's okay. You can fly with that." I'm colorblind, and you can fly. I'm colorblind. How does that even work? I don't know. Uh, no, I know how it works, <laughs> but uh, it, there's a waiver process. There's a statement of demonstrated ability that you show that you can differentiate between the aviation colors required to be tested for and. Uh, and you pass. Um, I think that there's a little bit of training that goes on mentally in my own mind that helps me get through that. Uh, but there's the FAA pretty much has encountered everything and they have a process for getting through it and getting a waiver. So um, there's a lot of things you'd be really super surprised. I mean, I think there's a girl that flies with no arms. She flies an air coupe. She's yes. written a book and she, I think she even has, not only does she have a book, I think she has a, a, a movie about her. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a movie. Yeah, her name's uh, Jessica. Yeah, her name's Jessica Cox, and she's actually uh, uh, she came to Oshkosh a couple years ago and and did a bunch of talks. And she flies with her feet, and she flies an air coat because 
it doesn't it doesn't have rudder pedals right so she doesn't need her feet to do rudder pedals they're they're linked to the ailerons but yeah she flies with her feet so they're if 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 somebody can fly with no arms um uh, and i actually have a friend who uh got their got her pilot's license uh, after losing the use of one of her arms, she can't really use it for much, and she's she can, she's a private pilot. So yeah, you can fly with a lot of stuff that you wouldn't think you could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so talk. Let's go, let's go back to baseline real quick. There's different medical. Like in order to fly, you have to be able to pass a medical exam, and there okay. are certain regulations. Uh, sport pilots a little bit different. You just need to have a, a driver's license. But let's talk about private pilot and up from there. Private pilot, instrument, commercial, CFI, uh, and airline air, ATP, airline transport pilot. Can you ca- talk a little bit? Uh, again, this is fifty thousand foot view of what the medical requirements are and the time frames for those medical exams. Well, that's a really big question, Dave. Sorry, I'll, I'll walk you through it. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm, I'm going to be a private pilot. Uh, what do I got to do? You got to do at least a third class medical. All right, and that's going to be a basically each medical class has more stringent requirements for each like body part or whatever that you have, like more strict hearing, more strict vision, so on and so forth. And actually. When you get up into like the first class medical, they look a lot into your uh, criminal history with respect to DUIs, and we're going to talk about that today. Um, and you know, any kind of mental health, or if you're utilizing the VA for PTSD or anything like that. So, first class is really, really strict, and has there's different processes through getting through problems when you're the first class medical than there are with the third class medical. Now, so I don't know. Third class is what I would need for a private. Second class, right. I would need for. Uh, what commercial operations and so and um, so so to 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 take money I need a second class yes and to be an airline unless transport. you're a flight instructor then that's not there's a lot of debate on whether that's like really a commercial operation but you at least have to have a third class medical to be a flight instructor and then if I want to be an ATP an airline transport pilot flying for the majors flying cargo things like that I need turbojet to be, 135 PIC yeah you got to have a first a class. first class so yeah. so that's the three the levels the mm-hmm. second uh, first. Second and third class medical. So third is the least stringent. Right. And then first class is the most stringent. Like mm-hmm. you said, they're going to dig deep into the first class medical. Right. And it's also only good for uh, a much shorter amount of time. Like if, if I have a third class medical, uh, depending on my age, it can be good for up to five years. Right. And so if you're under 40, it's going to be good for five years. If you're older than 40, it's three. Um, no, two. See, I knew I was going to mess this up. It was three, I think, at one time. Now it's two. Yeah, yeah. 24 calendar months, right? So, yep. and if you're ATP, you know, depending on what type of operation you're flying for and how old you are, is whether it's going to be six or 12 months. And then it reverts to a lower, it reverts to third class after those privileges uh, expire based on how old you are, whether it's 24 or 60 months uh, or the remaining time left in that medical that you haven't used. So there's a table, go to the table and the regs. I always look at the table cause it's much easier than trying. I mean, you should have most of them memorized, uh, I guess for what you're doing. You should know where you're at at all times, but you don't have to have like, if I have a first class medical, I'm really just concerned about what are my medical requirements. I don't look at the other requirements on a regular basis cause I'm trying to track my situation. So you should know most of them if you're a flight instructor, but, you know, you should be looking at your table and, you know, your age and stuff like that versus how long they're good for. And and, and sometimes, one more thing, sometimes the operation dictates, because I fly for a Part 91 operation that requires a first-class medical, and we don't require anything but a second-class legally 
because we're going right, to pay so to fly. Your, so your company is making that. That's correct. And they're deciding that on their own. It has nothing to do with the FAA, but as a company has decided that you, because of the type of flying that they want you guys doing, they want you to make sure you have a first-class medical. Correct. Okay. And that's okay. A company can do that. Yes. Yeah. Um, what are the, some, of the, some of the things that maybe people think, oh, I can't fly? But and you already mentioned one of them. You're colorblind. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the other things that some that, that may stop somebody from getting into the cockpit as a as a private pilot trainee that shouldn't? So big time things that we get. I would say that the most common thing is actually it's not really medical per se, although that's debatable, depending on if you're talking to a psychologist or a doctor. Uh, is the DUI situation? I've got a DUI, I can't be a pilot. Well, that's not necessarily true. There's different processes for each different medical. So if you have a DUI, which is really a criminal thing, but it, the FAA kind of looks at it as a substance abuse. Like I'm going to be you're going to allow you to be a PIC of an aircraft uh or jet under 121. I'm going to want to make sure that you don't have a substance abuse problem, which is why this happened, right? So, if you have a th- if you're trying to get a third class medical and you have a DUI, um if you have proven to the FAA that you followed through with your obligations after what happened and, you know, it's not an ongoing situation, they'll issue the medical. Uh, they'll do an investigation. They're going to check on you and make sure that this, you know, one DUI uh, they can kind of deal with. Now, if you have multiple DUIs, you're in a bit of a pickle. That's probably not going to go. Uh, for a third class medical, so because that's going to show like a pattern of behavior, exactly. And and at the at the end of the day, it, you shouldn't be an airman if you have a problem like that in the first place. So, uh, you know, we, the FAA is looking for people who respect the rules because you know we have a book that's written in blood called the Far Aim. You know, the you, when you pick up your book of regulations, everything's written in blood. Somebody did something stupid and caused a rule to happen, right? Um, many of them were well thought out, but you know. Somebody had to die to to cause those things to happen to figure out that it was a bad thing in the first place. So um, they're pretty big on that. And if you're constantly violating the rules, which getting a DUI is an extremely bad thing, um, we can learn from our mistakes and for, be forgiven. But at the same time, it's a really bad thing. So they look at it very negatively, which is why they won't issue you your medical right away, by the way, if you have a DUI, even with a third class, because it goes to Oklahoma City. And they look at it before they'll give it to you, which is what, what I was saying earlier. Um, so there's a way through that. Now, if you're going for first-class medical, even with even one DUI or DWI or anything like that, you are going to go through a stringent uh, scrutinization by the FAA to make sure that you do not have a problem. Because you're going to be flying people around, and the public is going to be trusting you. Use that first-class medical to fly them from Atlanta to... Cleveland and they don't need an addict in the front seat um, at the end of the day. So, so it's a little bit different for recreational pilots versus, you know, professional pilot candidates as to how those things affect your first medical. Um, And if you get, uh, this is worth mentioning. If you get a DUI after you already have a medical and you're an active pilot, you are obligated to report that to the FAA. Uh, If you don't report it, you will lose your medical and your flying privileges and your, you'll probably have your certificate revoked for not doing that. So use caution. Once a pilot, always a pilot, but that doesn't, you know, you you may lose your flying privileges. You'll never lose your license, but that's not true. It can be revoked under certain circumstances. And that sounds like one of them. Yep, it is. And then 
when you go through a HIMS program, like a, an addiction program, they call it the HIMS program. Um, can't I can't remember exactly what the acronym stands for, but if you go through an addiction program to get your medical back, you have to reinstate every certificate that you lost as a result of the DUIs or the or the or the crime that you've committed against the regulations. What does if that you mean? Will. You have to go through all the training again, or you just have to go through the check rides? You have to take the check rides all over again, Okay, which means you still have to have the training to take the check rides. So you have to have three hours prior to the check ride for each rating that you try to do. Okay, we, We've done them before for customers who who went through things like that, and um, even airline pilots. Cool. So let's talk about things I don't have control over. Um, obviously, you know, me, me, a DUI is something that I would have control over and I would want to make a choice. But let's say um, heart problems. I mean, there's pilots. You, you, used to, you, you have a heart problem. Boom, you're out. Game over. That's no longer the case. That's no longer the case for certain things. They still really look at it. Um, arrhythmia, you know, problems with, you know, heart attack. You have to go through a reapproval process. Um, there's companies out there. That specifically handle like, oh, I'm a professional pilot. I was 50 years old. I had a heart attack due to a blocked artery. I had uh, medical help to get through that heart attack, and now I'm getting treatment, and I'm on these medications. Um, and the FAA will look at that and approve them on a case-by-case basis, right? Um, so I've seen people with heart problems from when they were children, like problems that were caused by birth and stuff like that that they had major surgeries when they were babies and stuff like that, get through that process uh, with the FAA by proving that it was fixed. And for the next you know, 18 years, they didn't have any problems and all that stuff. Uh, if you can prove, and I recommend using a service to do this, like a medical service that works with the FAA. There's a lot of them out there. I won't name any of them by name. I've never had to use them, but I know which ones to refer people to that will ass- assist you in this process. Another th- big thing with like heart problems has been blood pressure, and now like most blood pressure medications are approved. All you have to do is go in and check if the medication is approved, and then report it to your AME. Um, but of course, always consult your AME before you do anything. Don't get a prescription unless it's you, you know that it's going to be good and approved by the FAA before you take it. Um, and you said there's a place to check that. There's actually a website you can check and see if your medication's approved. Yes. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them. The FAA has one, and they have a database that you can tap into. I don't recall the website exactly right now. I can We could push that information out, though. Yeah, I'll, I'll just drop that into the show notes. Yeah. Then. Okay, cool. So cancer. Cancer is another thing that people can go through and get approved. Um, you know, any kind of uh, – the big things that are going to be showstoppers and, you know, we always kind of go back to showstoppers when it comes to medical. Like, what's a showstopper? A TBI, traumatic brain injury. That's going to be a showstopper until you prove otherwise. Um, depression, mental disorders. If you're on any kind of antidepressant or anything like for ADHD or ADD or anything like that, that they've prescribed that's a uh, that has a uh, it's a psychotropic drug or anything like that. That's going to be. I can almost guarantee you, it's going to be a disqualifier. So. How you handle those situations is between you and your AME and the service and the FAA. The service you use in the FAA uh, and stuff like that, it's, it's different for each person. But when it comes to like depression and stuff like that, the FAA takes that very seriously. So if you have those issues, you want to seriously look at how to handle those issues outside of medication. And uh, unless you need it, obviously. But consult with your professionals, your medical professionals, on how to handle that properly. But it, but it may, at the end of the day, 
no matter what, be a disqualifier. Everybody's health health is obviously more important than flying. Like, mm-hmm. and I, you know, nothing is more important than flying. But yeah, your health is more important than flying. So, obviously, get the right medication Correct. necessary to be healthy. Um, but just understand, some of those things can be disqualifiers for right. you. Right. Absolutely. Um, it, it seems to me, and I'm gonna, for lack of a better way of describing this, it, it seems to me that the FAA goes through these phases of this is what's important to us today. This is what's important for us years ago. Like, what are the things that they're looking at today? Sleep apnea is that's the big one. I think that D- everybody- I mean DUIs have been a constant big thing, and that's why I always bring it up. And I want to talk. Don't think that because we talked about DUIs earlier that I have any. Like, I think that they're okay in any way or anything like that. But you really got to have an open conversation about these things so that you can talk about them. And sleep apnea is something that I think a lot of people fight with and they don't want to talk about it. Um, and the FAA is now like, if your BMI is a certain amount, they're going to check if you have sleep apnea. For first class medical, it's going to be really, really something they're looking at. If, if, you, if you even say that you snore, they're going to want to do a sleep apnea study on you to find out if you have that. Um, and you should take that seriously. So if you're overweight, you should lose weight. I'm overweight. I know that. I'm working on it. All of us dad bods out there, we're working on it as hard as we can. You know, we're busy with kids and all that stuff. But that's right. You, you know, eat healthy. Try to exercise. Uh, make sure you're sleeping properly because I think they're concerned with sleep apnea right now, especially for flight crews, is exhaustion and, and fatigue. Right. So fatigue is a big problem. We're trying to combat fatigue, but yet you're with, you, you got a, co- a co pilot who can't sleep because he's overweight. So um, it, right now, the sleep apnea being the big one, are there any others that they're kind of harping on right now, or is that, that the big elephant in the room today? As far as the stuff that I hear on a regular basis, just encountering students and helping them with their, their assistant, assisting them with their medical issues, um, which I try to do to, to the level that I can as a pilot and as an advisor. Um, sleep apnea is it DUIs. Those are the big things right now. How does uh, how does a student or uh, a pilot who already has a certificate of some kind? Um, how, how do you open that conversation? You know, I mean, you're talking. You say you know work with your AME. Is that just something you? It, I guess my concern is if I go and mention something to my AME, boom, it's an instant quali- disqualification. Or is this something you can have a conversation without actually doing an exam? So. Like, What's the best way to pr- pursue this and make sure you're protecting your interests and your health at the same time? You got to think of it from a legal aspect. At the end of the day, you're protecting your ability to fly airplanes, right? So if I were to go in, and I know actually a person who's done this, he was very young and he checked the depression box on a on a MedExpress form. MedExpress is for those of you who don't know, when you get a medical, you go online and with no lawyer sitting next to you or advisor sitting next to you. You fill out this form that's your health history, and you submit it electronically to the FAA. And then when the AME does your physical, they pull this up, and it says all the stuff. And the FAA has already gotten it all written out for them in front of them, and he could see it. So if you check a box, it's going to cause questions to come up, right? The problem is, is that people, they're unfamiliar with the form. It's a federal form, which you're legally obligated to tell the truth on, which they just caught a Delta pilot who lied about his VA benefits. And they revoked his ATP, took his medical, and he's facing federal charges. He may go to jail for a period of time because he lied on his medical form, right? So, is it, ooh, now, now we've got this big responsibility of like, oh, I have to, now I have all this like weight on top of me while I'm filling this form out. I can't lie, but, you know, I don't want to not get a medical. So, here's what I suggest if you have anything you have questions about, go to your regular doctor first. 
Go to your regular doctor first and get a physical and find all the things that are wrong with you. And then talk about them with your doctor and talk about how to mitigate them. Like if he says, hey, you know, your blood pressure is high. Well, you may want to lose some weight and eat healthy and go exercise and lower your blood pressure. Um, that way you don't have to go on a medication. Um, and then you can get the, you can wait to get your medical, lose some weight, spend two months, and then get your medical uh, when your blood pressure is better. And then keep it that way because you're going to get another medical, especially if you're getting first class every 12 to 6 months, depending on what you're doing with your life. If you're an airline or just keeping it. Like I get my first class every 12 months. You got to keep yourself in shape, okay? So that way, nothing changes for you. And you should have a you should have your own doctor that you're always your own physician. You're always going to and consulting with them directly. Something that's almost like uh, you're talking to your lawyer, where you could say anything in the room, right, and get away with it, and they can't tell anybody. So, but an AME has to. An AME is obligated to report anything you tell them to the FAA, right? So, go get screened for somewhere else. And if you have any problems that you can't mitigate with your doctor immediately, your personal doctor, go to your flight instructor or a flight school or go to one of the services that is offered. If you just Google like aviation help with my medical or something like that, you'll get a lot of companies that do that and call them and you may have to pay for it and they can give you some consultation and do all that before you go do the medical. And if you're having questions about the form, don't fill it out. Fill it out with your flight instructor. Get your flight instructor, if they're comfortable, and you're comfortable sharing these things with them, sit down with them and fill the form out together. You should never do it by yourself if you don't know what you're doing. Because it's even going to ask you, like, how many times you've been to the doctor on there, and you should, you know, put everything on there honestly. But, you know, you should be have all this information in front of you and expect to fill out a, a pretty big form and be ready for it is basically what I'm trying to say. Cool. So this is a, obviously a very deep topic with a lot of rabbit holes that can be gone mm-hmm. down. But And I'm trying to be careful not to go down one of those rabbit holes or give you bad advice. Remember, I'm not an AME. I'm right. just a flight instructor, and I see a lot of things. So if you have a rabbit hole, handle it with a professional or talk to your flight instructor and, and get it worked out before you go to the AME. Right, because once you see your AME, that's kind of setting things in motion uh, or stopping things that maybe you don't want stopped or set in motion. Right. So, yeah, good. I think this is good advice. And and, don't, um, and I should add, don't circum, don't. Um, this is not a conversation in, in, in a way to give you tricks to circumvent the system. Right. But you have to know what you have before you go. Right. Right? So figure out what's wrong with you before you go to the test. Right. Again, this is about your health is, mm-hmm. is most important. And if you have a disqualifying thing, then so be it. Move on to the next, you know, hobby uh, or, or career or whatever it is you need to do. But if there are things that you can do to become healthier and to meet the requirements, mm-hmm. do that before you go see your AME. Is that- Remember, you can fly a light sport with a driver's license. That's true. So it's, you're not totally out of flying. But if you're trying to go for a medical, so you can fly a certified aircraft or airlines or whatever. Yeah. Then, yeah. Cool. And, and and everybody thinks that basic med was a way out of this. Really, basic med is just you're continuing your third class with your regular doctor. Right. It's still pretty much all the same stuff. Yeah, basic med's not a way to just get around. Because you still, in order to get basic med, you have to have had a recent third class medical um, You have to pass place. a third class medical at Already. least one time. That's right. So any big disqualifier is going to be found right there. Okay, cool. All 
All right. Well, um, Nate, I hope that uh, gives you know some. Th- thanks for the question, and I hope that gives our listeners some some answers and at least points them in some of the right directions. Again, we are not doctors, mm-hmm. but. Derek has seen a lot of this stuff. So thanks so much for answering some of those questions, Derek. I appreciate it. And don't it. be afraid to talk about it. I know sometimes it's embarrassing, but don't be afraid to talk. Ask someone before you go down, a, you know, go down any paths, if you will. You can even call the FAA. I, you know, you can call them anonymously yep. and just ask questions to the medical branch. Hey, what do I do about this? You know, I, I would call on someone else's behalf. If they ask me to, hey, I have a student. He's got this problem. Is that going to be a disqualifier? Tell me about it. And if it is, how can we fix it? They'll cool. help you out. They're good people, but you know they're just trying to prevent unhealthy people from being in the cockpit. Right, and they should. Yeah. And they should because the FAA, like you said, everything's written in blood. This is all about you know protecting the people in the air and on the ground. Correct. Cool. All right. Thanks so much for uh, joining us here on Flying with a Purpose again. Thanks, Nate, for. Uh, posing the question, uh, hit us up on on uh, our our uh, Facebook page, and uh, definitely uh, if you haven't already seen our videos, check those out at YouTube.com/slash/flightreview. We're having a lot of fun making those, so we'll catch you next time. See you later. Thanks for listening to Flying with a Purpose. If you'd like us to consider answering your question on the show, send us an email to podcast at flightreview.tv. That's podcast at flightreview.tv. We would love to hear from you. Also, check out the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash flightreview for the latest flight training episode. Derek is trying to turn me into a pilot in front of the world. Finally, if you like this show, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out to have some five-star ratings, especially when we are just starting out. Again, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of Flying with a Purpose. (music) 